Please be aware that this is for professional investors only. Hello and welcome to Nordea Asset Management Talks, your new monthly series on topics that matter most to you. For those of you joining us for the first time, we also have simultaneous translation, which you can access by clicking the button below. In addition, if you have any questions, please send them to nordeafunds at nordea.com. So let's talk North American Stars equity strategy. This month, I have the pleasure of having with me portfolio manager Jakim Altberg and ESG uh, specialist for the strategy, Philippe Vernenberg. Good morning to you both. Thank you. Thank you very much. So Joachim, I will begin with you. So can you give us sort of a a brief reminder of the uh, North American Stars uh, equity strategy value proposition, uh, key characteristics after again, almost three years of uh, the successful launch of the strategy? Absolutely. Um, So our value proposition is that we are a, a core long only uh, with a very focused bottom up uh, process with the concentrated portfolios of around 50 to 65 stocks and security selection is the main driver of uh, risk assessment and excess return Uh, and we want to deliver optimal combination of risk adjusted returns and superior uh, sustainability Uh, and the distinctive features is that we, we are fully integrating Nordea's proprietary ESG research across the investment process. So we have our own dedicated ESG analyst um, and we are basing our decisions on positive selection, performance enhancement and actively engaging with the companies. Um, And we have a three key approach to leverage on the fundamental equity and responsible teams, common research platforms that we utilize. Uh, And in terms of key characteristics, uh, the strategy aims to outperform the Russell 3000 by 250 bips uh, per annum over a full cycle. Uh, And we try to have a tracking error between three and 5%. And to to also important to highlight is that the portfolios and strategies are not expected to have any built-in style bias. And we try to be more opportunistic, opportunistic across the investment cycle. Okay, thanks, uh, Joachim. Then when we look at sort of uh, the portfolio construction of the, the strategy, what would you say is, is unique about it? Yes, uh, we have a two-bucket uh, approach um, that uh, we, we use, and uh, we have three different keys uh, to unlock the value. Um, and the first bucket uh, to the right hand uh, where we start is... Uh, we have a large number, around 70% of the portfolios uh, in the strategy that run uh, smaller positions with very wide moats, i.e. sustainable long-term advantages and solid operating tailwinds, for example, uh, pricing power or, or structural growth, etc. Uh, and the, the thing with this, when the company enjoys strong moat and tailwinds uh, across the sectors they are in, they have superior drivers for long-term risk-adjusted returns. Um, and the investment horizon on here is three years or more, and many of the stocks have been in the portfolio uh, since the beginning when we started the strategy. Um, and then if we move to, to, the right, to the left of the moat and tailwind, we also have a more research-intensive part of the portfolio 
which we call expectations gap, where we are taking a materially different view than the current market. And uh, here we often see uh, very strong return potential. So it's a bigger uh, outsize return versus the molten tailwind stocks that are more compounding over time. And this can also be a shorter horizon, maybe around one to three years uh, on average when we look at this. And this is then a smaller part of the portfolio, uh, but gives higher returns. Uh, and what we also focus on to the left is obviously the risk management. This is a very important part for us. Um, and that is that we diversify the portfolios and focus on the total risk at all time uh, and don't try to build in any thematic or, or big uh, flaws in the portfolio and constantly monitoring it. Uh, and we also utilize, you can say, a satellite approach for the portfolio construction here uh, across the sectors to ensure strong diversification uh, between the different parts of the market. Okay, so Joachim, uh, where, where are you finding uh, opportunities currently? Uh, as we've seen over the last few months, we've seen a strong rally for value cyclicals, followed by a strong comeback uh, for growth and defensive companies. Has this triggered any change in your overall uh, portfolio? Yes, we can say here that uh, longer term, we are uh, moving around slowly across the sectors and we are bottom-up driven and we are always trying to, to make alpha in all the sectors. Um, but with that said, we are obviously moving a little bit between the sectors. And if you look at the current positioning, for example, you can see that we are currently running uh, our largest uh, overweight in, in software. Uh, and we have uh, around four and a half, almost 5% overweight there now. And on the other side of that IT bucket, we, we have a, a little bit underweight in the semiconductor space in the IT sector. Um, so this is something we do gradually moving along the cycle. And this is also built up from the bottom up and, and the macro at the same time, you can say. Um, so so the, the different research analysts are obviously seeing the highest upside in the, in the stocks when we are at the low part in a cycle um, in the cyclicality of the world. Um, and then we try to move slowly around that. And also you can see that for example, in the industrial sector, we have moving, been moving that down lately because we have been seeing a, a pretty strong rally and many of the companies have been trading far above fair value. So we have re reducing that from over three, three and a half percent towards one and a half percent now because uh, they have moved too, too far, we think. And, and then at the same time, we also continue to have a big bigger overweight in financials around 3% uh, right now, because that's one of the most um, undervalued sector uh, in a bottom-up world that we see. And at the same time, we see that macro is getting better and potentially somewhat steepening of the yield curves. So, so we are trying to move this slowly around without taking any really big sector bets, but, but we do it uh, gradually, so to speak. And, and it's good that uh, while, you, while you run a, a core portfolio uh, and you're able to capitalize on opportunities uh, where they present in certain markets, uh, nevertheless, what can you tell us about the, the long-term profile uh, of, of your portfolio? Have you had any uh, significant style factor uh, bias? Yeah, you can see that uh, if we look on, on our uh, charts on this at, uh, for example, even though we are not looking every day at value growth and uh, these factors, obviously, because it's uh, bottom-up construction and, and we look for the best names. Um, but what we can see is that we, we have been moving slowly around 
uh, if you look at the, the charts on growth and value, etc., slightly we, we move it along uh, where we see the opportunities coming or arising in, in the bottom-up world. But we have one feature that is permanently uh, higher, and that is obviously the ESG factor, which you can see on the bottom that it's always uh, running uh, very high. So that's the only permanent feature in the strategy. Which, which is what, what, what an investor would look uh, for, obviously, in, in while investing in, a, in, a, in an ESG uh, stars product uh, like the one we offer here uh, at Nordea. Of course, uh, now we spend some time speaking with uh, Joachim, but of course, we don't want to forget uh, uh, the other counterpart in, in, in the successful strategy, which is uh, Philippe. So, uh, Philippe, uh, I want to ask you now, uh, with the evolution of with regards to ESG integration, what is unique uh, about NAM's STARS uh, engagement approach uh, in your view? So I think the first thing I think we need to realize is that our engagement approach or the way we, we do engagements here in Nordea is very much a combined effort between both us and the responsible investments team as well as the investment team. In this case, you are game for this strategy. And just as a reminder in the responsible investments team, I mean, this is this is a 20 person team with a, with a dedicated uh, section for active ownership as well. So we put a lot of effort and we put a lot of uh, energy into, into making sure that we get these engagements right. Uh, and when it comes to the different types of engagements that we run with companies in this strategy, for example, we can usually pull them into three different buckets or three different types of engagements, where the first one is, is what something we call norms and incident-based engagements, where this will be engagements or dialogues that we have with companies when perhaps there's been an issue or where there's something that's turned up or, or, or there's a there's an obstacle in the way of them performing as usual. And that's something that we want to get updated on and make sure that we know what the company is doing about it. Um, the a second engagement that we that we run or second type of engagement that we run in this strategy is, is called investment-led engagements. And, and these are engage, engagements where we're dialogues with companies where we identify potential improvements in the way either the company is operating or, or in, the way, in, the, in the way it's serving its markets, where we feel that our competence and our knowledge in-house can help them either attract new customers or, or tackle their issues in, in a better way. Um, the third type of engagements that we run is something called thematic. And we have a couple of areas, key areas and topics that we feel are a bit more on top of the agenda here for us at Nordea Asset Management. And this will, this will be topics which include climate, human rights, uh, water, biodiversity, um, good governance, for example. So using these three types of engagements uh, to, to create a successful engagement and successful long-term long relationship with a company or a holding as well, it's important to have a quite rigid and systematic process, even though this may depend exactly what type of engagement it is and what type of company it is, we usually do follow uh, a quite strict plan where obviously we'll set up a we'll set up a plan with the company set up a plan in-house for ourselves set up the key target and the key kpis for us to know how we're doing and and when we can we can conclude a dialogue or engagement um, this is followed obviously by meetings with the companies uh, and this is something where both i and you Joachim, will attend uh, depending on the nature of the of the of the of the of the dialogue and and again this is something that i think is important to stress is that we find that these engagements and these dialogues are as relevant for me sitting in the responsible investments team as is for you akim uh, sitting as a portfolio manager because these topics in the end will affect um, either the the risk profile of a holding or the potential uh, for outperformance of that holding um, 
And then obviously, depending on how the engagement goes and depending on the progress we're doing, um, there are certain um, certain uh, levers that we can touch upon if we, for example, don't think the engagement is going so well. So we have a responsible investment committee here at Nordea, um, which can decide, for example, if we need to escalate an engagement, if we need to talk to more senior people, maybe even talk to C-level ex executives at the company, or if we, we feel that this company is, is just standing still on this issue and it's not suitable anymore for holding in this strategy, we do have the option to, for example, exclude. But it's important to note that that's a, that's a last resort um, for us. Um, and of course, uh, engagements, as, as many of, of you listeners know, they usually they're usually long term and run for at least one to three years so it's important to understand that no one will be expecting results after just a week or half a year it's something that you have to work on for a long time and the cycles are quite long but in the end we do many times see um kind of the fruits of our um of our uh, efforts uh, which is very satisfying and thanks, Philippe. And it's good that you mentioned that. And perhaps it's also good to remind uh, our investors as well, uh, that uh, our viewers as well, that we can that you can access or you can see all the great work that you and the team have done on the NordeaAssetManagement.com website, where you can access, for example, our Responsible Investments Annual Report, where you will find uh, not only the engagements that you've got, done in the previous year, uh, but also the number of engagements that you've done to show, obviously, the engagement and also to go through the different types uh, of engagements that you have described before. So just a kind reminder for anybody that would like to check that out. And of course, uh, we know that you and the team are working hard every year to, to up our game uh, in, in, that, in that respect. Um, maybe to shift over also now that you've described sort of our process and how we do it and what makes it very uh, unique, uh, this uh, integration, can you maybe also share with us a significant engagement uh, carried out with, uh, in this case, the North American Stars Equity Strategy that can illustrate the importance of this tool uh, to generate uh, that positive change? Absolutely. And, and the example I, I brought with me today is, is one with Excel Energy. And I thought it might be interesting just to hear briefly from Joachim as well, what his, in, what, why this is an interesting case for him. And then I'll go absolutely. into a bit more our engagement and dialogue with the company. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, thank you. And uh, of course, we, we want to make uh, Alpha within every sector and we want to do it bottom up way. And um, I think uh, Excel Energy is a very interesting case because it is within a, a pretty uh, tough sector in terms of ESG and, and integration because it's a lot of uh, coal-based uh, electricity generation, etc. And it's difficult for us to invest. Um, but nevertheless, we have uh, one Excellent example of, of a case in, in Excel Energy, which is one of the major electric, electric and natural gas companies uh, in Minnesota uh, in US. So as Joachim mentioned, Excel Energy, it's, it's a company that operates in a sector and in an industry that, I mean, when it comes to ESG, the main issues are obviously carbon emissions and, and how to limit those and decrease those. Um, and, and the main kind of channels that we've used to engage with Excel Energy is, is through both Climate Action 100, which is an initiative-led, uh, an investor-led initiative um, in order to engage with the top uh, corporates that emit the most in the world. And obviously, utility that, that previously has operated very much on coal will be in that uh, segment as well. Um, and then we've also run a, an engagement related to TCFD. So that's a, that's a reporting framework to assess climate risk for a company. 
Um, and if we look at the timeline and, and how we've tried to both support and encourage Excel Energy to shift lanes, so to speak, when it comes to the way that they power their electricity, um, we joined the Climate Action 100 initiative in 2017. And at this point, um, Excel Energy was still uh, operating under a 60% of its energy mix was, was still coming from fossil fuels, basically. Um, so they were they were they had they were just in the beginning of their of their path and journey to to um, to uh, change their mix, so to speak. Um, so in 2018, that was our first uh, assessment of, uh, of Excel Energy. And something that is important to note as well is that North, the North American equity strategy is covered by our Paris alignment uh, fossil fuel um, policy, which means that all holdings that we have here are, are, are under the trajectory of meeting uh, a, a less than two degree warming, which is important to note here. Um, and and throughout, the, throughout the years, specifically to Excel Energy, we've had meetings with the CEO and we've talked about their carbon reduction plan and our expectations on them and, and what it means for them to still be able to be eligible for, for a hold, to be a holding in, in, in North American uh, stars. Um, and so some of the achievements that we've seen from the company side as well, is that, for example, in 2019, uh, they linked a large part of their CEO compensation to long-term incentives, including uh, carbon uh, emissions reductions. Uh, they've seen year-on-year -year carbon reductions uh, in their operations, which is a result of them shifting from this large fuel, fossil fuel base to a more um, uh, energy mix uh, um, supported more by renewable energy. Um, and our engagement, as you can see on the timeline as well, it's, it's a continuous uh, process. And, and even though we've, we've had dialogues now for the past years, we'll continue to have them in the, in the, in the decade to come. Um, and, and this is a positive example where we do see the company both cooperative and responsive to our demands and our expectations. And we see concrete goals and steps that they're taking uh, throughout the, the journey as well. Um, so in this case, for example, I mentioned before that we have some levers if we don't feel we, we're, we're, we're seeing progress, but in this case, we are seeing progress and we're very happy about the way Excel Energy has handled uh, our engagement and responded to our, to our request for dialogue. And a, a final note to say is this is perhaps one of the most uh, exciting cases that we have when it comes to uh, as, an, as an investment case as well, because here we see a company that traditionally has perhaps not operated through a uh, an, an ESG lens, so to speak, but a company that's under transition and is able to unlock more value because of their openness to change and their, their, their openness to begin this journey that they did a couple of years ago. And that's fantastic. And it's also a good reminder that either via collaborative engagements or individual company engagements that you can actually have that, that positive change. And, and of course, uh, again, a reminder to our viewers that uh, not only can you read about the uh, Excel engagement that we've done, but you can also uh, read our Paris Aligned Fossil Fuel Policy, which I think is really important. And I think it's also a good reminder that we're more uh, about engagement than exclusion. And that if we do find these, these companies that are willing to make that transition and that are willing to make that positive change, uh, then of course, we're more than willing to engage uh, with those companies. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say, Philippe? Absolutely. So that's a, that's a big part. We want, we want a transparent dialogue with companies from our side. Thank you both for being here and for a really interesting exchange on this month's talk. So now let's take a look at the key takeaways. So one, number one, excess return can be consistently achieved without compromising ESG considerations. As stock picker, being style opportunistic allows us to navigate different market environments without sacrificing our philosophy and process. 
And finally, engagements are an important tool to align companies' business models with sustainability trends, generate returns, and of course, have a positive impact. Thank you again for joining us this month for this new talk, and we will hope to see you next month. And for further information, please visit nordeaassetmanagement.com or contact your sales representative. Until then, see you next time.